me saying goodbye to him, you know? Okay. Get out of here. Oh. Hello? We can officially start now. Perfect. Smokey has been said goodbye to, and all is well. Yep. Well, this is an episode we're starting. I guess, I, honestly, I don't really have any news for today, because... There's always news. No, I didn't, I didn't get any news. Gosh. Huh. You because know? I, this is going to be kind of a long one, I think. And there was really no interesting news. I appreciate you not put, putting on me. I feel, like, I feel like, once again, I said I would come to the table with some, like, strange happenings. Um, but really... Um, There's been no strange happenings. Well, you know, as, as I walk 50 feet to work every day, I've really kind of had my head on a swivel... You know, mm-hmm. um, I really haven't noticed anything. You know, okay. I I have That's noticed. I have noticed. Oh, let me oh, let me let me, okay. let me stop you right there. Actually, <laughs> I have noticed who still uses cash and why is it always the person in front of me at the um at the coffee store at in the morning? <laughs> it, at this point, and like I'm wondering, like, does DeAndrews have this weird little sign that just says like we love cash? Like, well, honestly, paying cash ten percent use- off. You know, if you come in here because it's like. Every single person who's ever in front of me there uses cash. People, a lot of people in this town probably use cash because they're all bartenders. I mean, these are like old ladies. Who, well, old people like cash. And my grandparents okay, a lot of cash. And just normal people who don't look like bartenders. Okay, let okay. me put it that way. These look like normal people. What are people people doing? Show and and like I noticed at the Walgreens too. You know, not a lot of people working on Broadway. Uh, you know, showing to that Walgreens, you know what I'm saying? And everyone's using cash. Is there, like, some, like, weird sort of, like, resurgence of uh, of cash I'm not, that, that I know about, you know? I don't know. Maybe. I just feel like I'm kind of being gangstalked all these people being in front of me, being, being in front of me like, do, doing cash. You feel threatened that much by cash? I feel like this is a very long-form Ashton Kutcher, like, punked episode where eventually... Classic Eventually, I'm going to be at, like, you know, a Bojangles and someone pays cash in front of me and I just start screaming and crying and then Ashton Kutcher, like, pops out of his BMW from outside and he's like, you just got punked. Six months of people paying cash in front of you, you finally lost your, lost your goddamn mind, you idiot. Hmm. Anyway, okay. all right, there's the news. All right. There's news for That's you. That's a good observation. Uh-huh, no problem. Last week, <laughs> we talked about the Black Dahlia. We, you know, discussed some happenings in that case. And I talked about how the Black Dahlia was linked to a set of murders that occurred in the beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. And so today I want to talk about the Cleveland Torso Murders, or as I've come to find out, more commonly referred to as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Mm. Mm? Have mm. you heard anything about this? No, I'm not. Okay, cool. We obviously didn't watch. There was that that documentary was on last week before we filmed the episode, and we obviously did not go back and watch that. Well, I was more entranced by the Jared Fogel uh, TV show. Oh god, shows, that was know? terrible. That show is so uncomfortable. You know, I, I think oftentimes in life it's important to look on the bright side, and you can really admire the confidence in that man. You know, like he's got something going on where. Most people, and I think he kind of realized, you know, this is a bit of a bad mole on my cheek, you know, this whole pedophilia thing, you know? Yeah, it's not a good look. And the absolute just promenade that that guy displayed with just telling people. Yeah, I don't know. I looked away for like a millisecond in the beginning of that documentary and somehow missed the whole happenings leading up to him like whispering in that reporter's ear this is that he likes children. I swear it's it, it just like he just like did it. I'm you know? so just like shocked. Yeah. You could call it confidence. 
It's it's something else. It makes me upset. It was horrible. <laughs> it, that like that documentary was hard to watch. A lot of documentaries don't really get to me. That one got to me. That was awful. I think it was the recordings. And, and honestly, I found that so much less offensive than than like the Dahmer series. Really? That oh, I, I, I mean, like, I mean, obviously it was shocking and like horrible, but it's like the the, the Dahmer was just like I'm like, well, this is just like unartistic. Do you have any any final statements on Jared Fogle? No, you know, no, no. I think is he uh, he's in jail? I never finished the documentary. I fell asleep because I was too uncomfortable. I think his actions carried a substantial criminal sentence, you know. So I mean, they I do. They like to let jail. those those people out a little early. You know. So yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. Let's see. Guess how guess how long he's in jail for? No, oh, I'm guessing like 15 years. Yes, that yeah, is exactly correct. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think, um, and I think they point on the, in the episode, they never came even close to hard evidence of him yeah, actually, even like. Having a hand on a kid, yeah. So and you can blame it on you can blame it on the FBI's reliance on that crazy bat of a lady as yeah. their like lead investigator. And I don't really know, like from I guess the tapes, it sounded like a lot of him like admitting to doing things. It was was him admitting to doing things in like Taiwan, yeah, or wherever or Thailand is where yeah, he went. Yeah. So I don't is that like I don't know if that like carries over to like if you commit those crimes in Thailand, you come back. Like, he's, they he was very clear? high profile, had very good lawyers, and I think I think the I think got the that subway um, money. Well, I think they pointed out that the um, they only got him for the actual possession of um, like child pornography. Child pornography, which someone yeah. put that on a. But honestly, blame that one on the FBI. Like, I feel like that was once again utter confidence well, in and that like along <laughs> with his like with what he was doing. But they just never even came close. That, to well, they had that lady, it. that like kind of crazy lady. Uh, talking to him, pretty much flirting with him about raping children yeah. for like three years. Yeah. That's insane. It should not take that long. Honestly, I think they like were listening to it and were like, yeah, this is totally unusable. Um, like, what do you mean? Like, why would it be unusable? I mean, I think... Just because like they didn't have any hard, hard evidence? I mean, so, okay. If, if you're doing it for over three years, I think there's a lot of rules about wiretaps. and yeah. well, and that first like, like initial... Like, tape she brought in was technically, like, illegal for her because she taped him without knowing. Like, because, do you remember she approached the FBI with, like, a tape she'd recorded of him saying something gross. And then she was like, this is technically a felony on my part because I recorded Jared without his knowledge. So then the FBI pretty much had her... This was from her point of view that the FBI pretty much had her in, like, a vice now because... She had to work with them or else they could turn it and be like, hey, you're going to go, like, you have a prison now because you recorded him without his knowledge. Yeah. I mean, like, that's definitely like an invasion of privacy, but I don't even know if that's an actual, like, I know that's like something people, someone can sue you for. Like, it's considered yeah, like a she tort. she was like a felony, but I was like, I don't know about I, that. I like, honestly, like, I, I think she was just either like, honestly, like, didn't ever get the story right. And obviously the FBI is not going to be like, oh, here's what actually happened. Um, yeah, that's true. I don't, China. it doesn't really sound like she has the most accurate description of what happened. And yeah, it seems like something's got a little bit exaggerated. And any and anyway, honestly, like I, it wouldn't surprise me if, it, it would not surprise me at all if not a single one of her recordings would is actually admissible as evidence in court. Now, like you can use it to like, 
you can use it to like um like get search warrants or anything yeah you can use it to like you can probably get use it to like get search warrants or just like give yourself more information to figure out like where to search but i really doubt a single one of those recordings that they took of him without his knowledge would be admissible like as actual evidence in court i guess but like why like because why not because so it's like because obviously he's doing something bad he might give them like a shred of evidence you know so they like will help them they don't care about this lady you know no like not at all. yeah they, they, they let her go insane for three years yeah. you know like they you know they, they you know they, they didn't give a hoot about her so they're like well why not give give free labor you know by this lady who was easily like duped oh, about i the- guess i was just more saying why can't they like play those tapes in front of a jury as like evidence of him saying like yeah that one he like yeah i don't know there was a lot of things he said in the tapes that were like clearly like i did this to a child or a child did this to me well like in in general like like it's it's okay for them to do it but like they can't use it i I can't really remember if on those facts if those are even considered i don't know anyway the whole thing is just very confusing point is like i i just would not be shocked if those if none of those things were like admissible and in any way once again it's just someone saying that they that they did something and, and that's like a big fundamental thing actually in a lot of criminal law is that a confession on its own is like, like is great. Makes, yeah. It's just not nothing. Oh. But, a, but a confession without some sort of corroborating evidence is almost yeah. never allowable to be basically to be considered, you know, proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, I guess this would because Jared Fogel, whatever, even if the tapes were obtained lawfully or not, confessed... to doing things with children and i guess hard evidence was that like he possessed or they had evidence of him possessing like a laptop a flash drive and like a cell phone or something that was given to him by that other guy that got arrested for having like five thousand like items of child pornography oh yeah and then like like, that's like hard well well, and what a good what a good lawyer would would say there then you know i mean if you're just trying to get get him out of you know prison in 15 years is Good lawyer would, would would just say like yeah he had fantasies and uh, he illegally obtained child pornography as a way of exercising those fantasies which that's all they have evidence for so that's I mean true, like you I know suppose. that's like a different crime I, I guess. mean they, the the FBI just really failed I think to really get even a shred of evidence of him like actually doing any of the things he said he was doing yeah. which like well I guess they really did sucks. try to set up that like sting where that lady invited we're like really just spoiling this whole documentary don't yeah. watch it do watch yeah. it but don't watch it. Um, invited Jared to come to her quote-unquote child's birthday party to, like, meet up with a child. Remember that? And he yeah. was, like, asking her, like, can I videotape your kids and all this stuff. Like, I guess that would have been, like, more hard evidence of him trying to get with a child. I just be like, honestly, like, that, like, that didn't, like, that sounded something that's, like, fine for, like, like, an episode of Castle, that did not sound like something the no. FBI would well, do. Well, I mean, you hear about that a lot. Like, a lot of... There's a lot of FBI agents on the dark web acting to be... Acting like they're 13-year-olds. Yeah, that sounds trying like... Trying to meet up with 50-year-old men. Yeah, that sounds like the FBI, but doesn't sound like the FBI is setting up a pool party with a bunch of, like, kids running around in swimsuits so Jared Fogel comes and touches well, them. Well, I know? don't <laughs> think they were going to actually have the birthday party. Like, I think she invited him under the guise of him having a birthday party... You can videotape my kids. You can do whatever to them. Or, and he, and, and, and it's just his then he would up. show up at her house and yeah. be like, gotcha. Yeah. Like, I don't think they would have all the kids yeah. out as your spate for this 
cover. It just a lot of it just sounds like and like the FBI is a weird or obviously a weird organization. A lot of that just sounded like the FBI never really took her like that seriously and was like was like willing to kind of like go along with it and like you know yeah get you know circumstantial evidence that may or may mm-hmm. not be usable yeah you know on her dime. But and yeah, also like you notice that they like flaked out on it and like and then never really followed up to like try and yeah. reschedule it. Just none of like yeah, I don't know. none of it sounded like a legitimate and sincere yeah. investigation on the FBI's part. I guess yeah, not that we will ever ever get this, but like that was her her documentary paired with was that on Netflix or like Hulu? What was that on even? That was on uh, Discovery. Oh, Plus. D Plus, like D Plus Plus or like Netflix Plus FBI would be like probably a completely different like. Yeah, that was her take on it. I like. I mean, I'm sure that's like kind of like a shade of what happened. And frankly, it's probably not very flattering to the FBI because it sounds like the FBI just kind of like really used her with yeah. and like really like let this lady more or less go insane and be under a lot of pressure on her part. It does not sound like the FBI was ever hugely investigated in what she was yeah. invested in what she was doing. Which I think also could be argued that that was part of her reason for speaking out because like she oh, yeah. had all this evidence. The FBI just like didn't give a shit that this guy was. like... No, I'm sure that's a it. huge part of her wanting to release it. Yeah. Is I think even with without really saying in the documentary, I think even she felt like yeah, I yeah, might yeah. not have been taken seriously this entire time with mm-hmm. the FBI, and I just went through all of this. This needs to be validated yeah. somehow, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it makes total sense. Really feel for the lady, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just sucks. No, the whole thing sucks, you know. And I remember when that came out. What year was it? I, I don't know. I mean, it must have been... I don't think... I'll, it must have been like high school or middle school for me. And like... I don't know. I remember seeing that and just being like, huh. And then just kind of thinking like... And like without... It, it was less of a big deal than you'd think it would have been. Well, like, and like the, at that age, I didn't really have a very mature understanding about just like... You know, just the the real depths of like how like horrible child pornography was. You just yeah. you just heard about it, yeah, and yeah. you're and you're like, Ugh, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like in, n- now that you really understand, like the de- now that I've watched a bunch of like true crime podcasts, I know how like depraved people can be. Yeah. You know? Now you understand the depths of how bad that is. Yeah. You know, and you yeah, don't even like understand probably like the tip of the iceberg of it. Oh yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, at the time, you know, I kind of heard that news. Looked at the picture of, like, Jared, you know, Mr. Like, glasses, like, you know, frumpy, yeah. frumpy dude. I was like, oh, that makes a little bit of sense, I guess. Yeah. You know, and then just kind of moved on with my day. Like, you know, it, like, was not, like, this, like, bombshell, terrifying yeah. news, you know. That is strange. I mean, he was, like, he is, or he is and was, like, definitely, like, a household name. Yeah. I don't know. And, yeah, that it comes out, he's a huge yeah. pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, I don't you know. know. Very, very weird, so... Subway sandwiches, well, still pretty good. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Subway, yeah. They they really just, like, wiped their hands of that one real oh, quick. Oh, yeah. That was nothing. It's like, I don't... Yeah, I'm about to say Subway, like, really rebounded from that pretty well. They didn't, well. like... I mean, I think they, like, released a statement, but I feel like they just, like, were just like, all right, full steam ahead on something else. Yeah, <laughs> Like, let's know. get this out of, out of the news cycle for us. Yeah, about a... I mean, like, yeah, what sort of, like, you know, weird sort of, like, HBO show does that belong on? Like, Sandwich Company, like, plucks, like, a regular nerd and gives him a dream life, you know, being the... Um, yeah, literally... Being the spokesperson script. for fucking, like, you know... You know, I don't know, like Middle America sandwiches, and you they know. Were, and, they, like, <laughs> and then he turns out to be a raging like, pedophile. Yeah, their whole like stick was that he lost weight eating Subway. He lost weight by like practically starving himself in eating just Subway, like once a day. Oh, it's the same thing as that fucking like Twinkie diet. The man was the, just in a calorie deficit. No, like. yeah, it's the same thing as the Twinkie diet, whereas it doesn't you matter do what you eat. If you only eat like a thousand calories a day, yeah, you're, gonna you're gonna lose, lose weight. weight. Yeah, you can do that eating like a. 
like orange chicken from Panda Express. Yeah. This or once again, dense. Twinkies. The yeah, guy just Twinkies. ate like ate like ten Twinkies a day and he like lost weight or whatever, you know. Yeah. You're like the rest of your body is probably not working at, you know, full capacity, but I don't know, yeah. you are getting skinnier. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, the whole you know, see, I was worried we weren't gonna talk at all. We're at like twenty two minutes. Well, there you go. I'm talking about Jared Focal. Anyway. That's going to need to get pared down. That was a whole lot of oh, pedophile yeah. talk. Oh, yeah. Know? Well, we're going to slim that down a little yeah. bit. A lot of it. I feel there's also one of those conversations where I got backed into, like, really defending a very nasty man. When I'm just yeah, saying... Yeah, how does that keep the, happening? It, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, like... But, like, there's reasons for that, like, things no, happen. Yes. You well, know? Well, I think, like, especially when we, do- we talk about this, we've talked... We had a lot of other topics where... I have a point of view, and I think you do also share the same point of view, but then somehow I back you into the corner of, like, legally, what is the, like, meaning of this? Yeah. And then and then you just turn out that you're defending things that aren't great. You know, you, you, you ask me why a lot of bad things happen, you know, and despite what you see on TV, it's usually because the side that people don't like had the better legal argument or yes, whatever yes, you know and yes. that's the sad truth is you, you, i don't know if you like watch suits or whatever there's no like skullduggery and the money only gets you so far like you know at the end of the day like a lot of, you know when you when you see jerfold get out for 15 years i don't know the other died, the other side did a crappy job and didn't have enough evidence like that's kind of like the, the reality you know so, oh, it's and i clearly i'm just all the 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 the, the, the arbiter of like Two real truths on, on on these sorts of things, you know. Yeah. The real truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, you want me to tell you the the real truth of the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run? Said, well, yeah, just get me off the track of defending a pedophile. Well, yeah, we're gonna anytime. go from talking about a pedophile to talking about the beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, so, oh, wow! This is kind of like a little bit of like a part two from last week. Okay. Well, I talked about this briefly last week. Yeah. Briefly. But I said, I want to talk about this more. And now yes. we're going to talk about it more. Okay. And fair warning, if you're eating a sandwich, a Subway sandwich, I would not eat it because this is pretty much just a list of murders and like not a lot else. Because there's not a lot else going on in this case. Say more. So, well, first we got to talk about Cleveland. Okay. So Cleveland. LeBron is from there. Cleveland Steamer, I don't know much else about named it. after the city of Cleveland, you know, a Oof. hilarious sex act on UrbanDictionary.com that um, I think I don't, I don't think a single person has ever actually done without a very, very, very aggressive response back from the other person. Wait, I'm gonna I'll bleep this out, but what is the Cleveland Steamer? I thought it was when like yeah, like that's a, what I thought. Like it like was. a steamroller. Yeah, okay. You know, and then I, and then that frankly and frankly, I think like that like it's called a Cleveland steamer because someone's just like, huh, people poop. That's like that's just like Cleveland. That's a poopy place. You know, it's like I don't think there was like I don't think this is like something was it was started in the in the time. I Cleveland. read a little bit about Cleveland, and and that doesn't really tie into any of this. No. I didn't read about any of that happening here. No, the Wikipedia page doesn't talk <laughs> no, about like, their, that doesn't come the, up. the cultural revolution of the Cleveland Steamer. No. Well, no. That's weird. So, during the 1920s, due to the instru- industrial manufacturing business, Cleveland was flourishing, especially when the steel industries, iron, cars, and car parts. Wealthy Clevelanders lived among Millionaire's Row, and the city had a population of about 800,000 people, only smaller than New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Detroit at the time. Wow. Pretty big, like... Um, industry cities were like really just doing the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
Skyscrapers were built, including the Terminal Tower and the Cleveland Union Terminal in 1924 in the heart of downtown Cleveland. The Van Swiergen brothers, developers who had a $3 billion railroad empire by the 20s, bankrolled the idea to get a terminal in downtown Cleveland modeled after the New York City Grand Central Station. The 52-story, 708-foot-tall terminal tower was the second tallest building in the world at the time after the Empire State Building in 1913. Cleveland had a 52-story building? Yeah, I guess. It was like this big tower, part of this like railroad station. You know, it, 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 it was kind of making me sad the entire time we were talking. I was like thinking like, wow, you could just like insert the word Milwaukee into this like into this like lead up. And it's like, I I wouldn't disagree if that was Yeah, like, it's pretty much it's, any industrial city. Yeah, about yeah. to say, but then you mentioned a 52-story building and I was like, well, we don't have that, you know, so. <laughs> I don't think it's still up. Maybe it is. Oh, well, Milwaukee certainly has never had a 52-story building. Just kidding. It's still up. Yeah, well, and they got that on Milwaukee. That sucks. Oh, well. It's kind of dope, too. Yeah, I know. Well, anyway. Yeah. So, women began voting in local government elections in the progressive East Cleveland area in the 1916 before the National Women's Suffrage was won in 1920. Oh. Cleveland was severely impacted by the Great Depression, however. In January of 1931... 99,233 Clevelanders were out of work, plus 25,400 laid off without pay. The Van Swirgen brothers, the railroad tycoons mentioned earlier, were forced to default on their $48 million loan and lose their fortune in 1934-1936 at the time of their death. So they died within like two years of each other after they pretty much just went broke. Their $3 billion net worth had dwindled to a measly $3,000, which is $63,000 today. It's not bad. It's cheddar. Yeah. yeah, it's cheddar. So quality of life also quickly defined declined in Cleveland. The Associated Charities was a community group aimed to help those in need. In 1929, they had 712 families under their wing. And in 1932, they had 26,000. In 1933, the Cuyahoga County Relief Administration absorbed the Associated Charities. And the 33,000 families they took care of, the number of families jumped to 76,000 in 1935. So that was a lot of numbers. But in like six years, they went from 712 to 76,000. In 1931, there were 9,300 evictions across the city, doubling from 1930. In 1934, there were 130,000 evictions. Poverty and homelessness led to shantytowns or Hoovervilles, named after Herbert Hoover, right. popping up over the city. Hoovervilles. The two largest Hoovervilles, Whiskey Island and Kingsbury Run, which sound fun, yeah. grew more and more crowded and dangerous as the months went by. This abandoned land plot, Kingsbury Run, was basically a dumping ground for the city and turned home for many of those hardest hit by the Depression. Kingsbury Run sat on the eastern side of the Cuyahoga River from the flats along Lake Erie to East 90th Street. I don't know where that has never been Cleveland. The west side of this area that was known as the Roaring Third, where bars, brothels, gambling houses were numerous. They had about 100 shanty homes in Cle- in Kingsbury Run and a population of about 300 people. So it's pretty small. It's pretty solid Hooverville, though. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. it pretty solid. Yeah. This area was kind of shook up. Okay. In August of 1934, a handyman named Joseph was walking along the beach in North Perry, Ohio, about 30 miles east of Cleveland. And he was dilly-dallying when he spotted bones and a dead seagull on the beach and figured they were just animal bones. Upon closer inspection, the bones were vertebrae and a chunk of rib cage with some flesh attached, clearly human to Joseph. He called the police and they figured that the bones were just animal bones, as he previously thought. And Joseph was like, no, these are definitely not animal bones. And the police were like, now they're definitely animal bones, just bury them. Deputy Sheriff Melvin Keener told him to bury the bones and just forget about it. So he did. And then on September 5th of 1934, another man named Frank ran across 
a large partially buried object while searching for driftwood, figuring it was a big log. He went over to it and it turned out to be flesh and bones that had washed up onto the shore. It was the lower half of a woman's torso severed just below the waist. He, I was wondering when this like history lesson on like the Great Depression and the, you know, like the early 1910 Industrial Revolution was going to turn into like people's torsos flying <laughs> off, you know. I was really like, wondering. Like, it was like two paragraphs of the history of Cleveland. No, no, no. I, no and, I, and actually it really like set the scene. I was just like wondering. Like, I also didn't <laughs> when, know. When's a torso? Well, I also didn't know. Like, I also didn't even know when this, when this time period, like when this, yeah, like, when so these murders like, occurred. Yeah, it was in the 30s. Oh, I was almost thinking like it was like 60s, 70s, 80s. And I was like, wow, she's starting from the beginning in this town. <laughs> this is going to be a long well, No, 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 no. I, I, no, yeah. So, I, no, it's very yeah. like you very much like set the scene. I'm feeling like definitely like you know like lots of like lots of Dust. shacks, you know, lots hunger. of people, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of like you know looking around all wild eyed at each other, you know. Yes. You know, yes. yeah. He found this lower half of this torso, yep. and since he was almost late to work, he went and grabbed his wife and was like, "Hey, the police are gonna come. You gotta show them where this body is." So his poor wife, you just couldn't be late to work those days. So the remains turned out to be... People had accountability back then. Exactly. Okay. Uh, From a woman in her 30s, the torso had the thighs attached but were amputated at the knees. The Cuyahoga County coroner, A.J. Pierce, noted a chemical preservative on the skin that made it tough, red, and leathery. The time for death was placed around six months prior. The other body parts were found after a search, but the head was never found. The body was estimated to be in the water about three to four months, but the preservatives made it difficult to kind of tell. They could not tell what... The preservative was, however. The body was also not waterlogged, indicating that she may have been in a container at the time she was dumped in the water before it busted open and she floated onto the shore. So they don't, like, she was in, like, something because or else she would have been, like, all sucked up with water. Uh Uh-huh. Joseph, who found the bones a few weeks earlier, called the Lake County Sheriff's Office and reminded them about how he was like, hey, remember those bones I found? And they were like, oh, shit, yeah. The sheriff's office then called the Cleveland police, who wanted Joseph to bring them to where he had previously found the bones. After some difficulty, they found the bones again, and they matched the torso. And so apparently, like, after this body, like, decomposed for so long, the ribcage just kind of, like, slid out of, like, the meat in the skin. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, like, sloughed off. And that's what was found later. Ugh. Yeah. So their first idea that it was suicide, which doesn't seem right, because I don't know how you... Cut yourself in half. I mean, it is called the Great Depression. You're right. The coroner noted the precise cuts to the bone and believed it was not a suicide as the culprit must have had anatomical knowledge. They saw it was used and he believed that a surgeon would have not used a saw. So he believed it was someone with anatomical knowledge, but probably not a doctor. This unidentified woman was referred to as the Lady of the Lake or later victim number zero. And she was buried on September 11th of 1934 with no knowledge of who she was, how she died or who killed her. We really had a bit of a flair for, like, naming, like, slain a woman back in the days, and we really don't yeah. do that anymore. It's, no. like, the Lady of the Lake, the Black Dahlia, you know, the Crimson Swan. I just made that one up, but you believe it, didn't you? you know? uh, there's a Lady of the Dunes. There's Lady of the Dunes. And nowadays, well, in, in this day and age of social media, we're like, oh, well, that's just, you know... I think What's less face? bodies go, Local like, TikTok user. completely, they don't know who it is. Yeah. Like, I feel like they find a body, and they then usually, like, pick... Figure out who it is somehow. Yeah, those damn dental records, you know. Goddamn. Goddamn 23 and me. Yeah, Figuring out who went out. Yeah. So on September 23rd of 1935, about a year after the Lady of the Lake was discovered, two young boys were searching for a ball and found a naked man decapitated, only wearing black socks in the bushes at the base of Jackass Hill, where East 49th Street turns into Kingsbury Run. 
This body had rope burners on his wrist, and when Coroner Pierce found the cause of death to be decapitation and his fingerprints identified the victim as Edward Andrassi, or victim number two, a 28-year-old white male who was known to frequent the Roaring Third, which was that, like, area with all the brothels and bars and stuff. Mm-hmm. The brothers came to ID the body, Andrassi's brothers, and were in disbelief as they had seen him in perfect health four days earlier. There are rumors that he was bisexual and had run-ins with the law before, and police immediately believed that he could have been killed by any number of people because he had this kind of, like, fringe lifestyle. But I love, how, I, I, I love how back in the day, like, your, like, average gay dude was just, like, you know, just, like, this, this seedy, you yeah, know, like, like uh, you know. Well, just... I mean, that's not even, like, that, like, there's people that were murdered in, like, the 80s or the 90s, I feel like, that, like, they learn, like, one is, like, oh, they're gay, they're, like, ugh. Oh, and yeah, then we're immediately, say, like, yeah. it's, like, marked as, like, kind of, like, a group of the, like, less dead kind of people. Oh, but, sure, for sure. Yeah, it yeah. really was, like, a huge, just, like, well... Like, get-out-of-jail-free card for the police. They're like, we don't really have to look into this. Yeah, you know. It's but, a but it was not over. Thing. For Jackass Hill, yeah. another headless man was found during the search by the police with a partially buried head near his body, about 20 to 30 feet away. And then they also found, excuse me, a bucket with blood and an oily substance inside. The body of the second man, who was around 40 years old, was never identified and came later to be known as victim number one. And even though he was found second, so it's kind of confusing when you're reading these. Eventually, we'll, we'll get to it. There's a lot more people they're gonna find, mm-hmm. and they're not found exactly in the order that they were murdered. So I kind of went off the convention of like the order that they think these people were murdered, mm-hmm. and then as the numbering, and like we're gonna go through and I'm gonna tell you about them in the list they were where they were found. So there's gonna be a quiz at the end. And you gotta keep them straight. I will. Okay. So this guy. Victim number one, he was killed first, found second. Okay. The Well, if you don't count the Lady of the Lake, but okay. we'll get to that later. I right, got it. The man had preserved as similar to the Lady of the Lake. The coroner, Pierce, suspected the body was maybe tried to got like lit on fire, but it just like scorched the skin and hair, leading to its leathery appearance on the skin. The substance on the skin could have also been lime chloride, which could have been confused with quickening lime, which is used to increase composition. But he put a little switcheroo and used lime chloride instead, which actually preserves the body. Andrassi's time of death was found to be two to three days prior to discovery, and the older male was discovered to be dead for about seven to ten days, so he was dead for longer. And then this was looked at later, and it was revised to be three to four weeks. Both men had their genitals removed and were killed by decapitation. Hmm. There was no blood at the scene besides a small amount found in that metal bucket. And at the time of the murder, the Lady of the Lake was not tied into these, even though I don't know how many decapitation Cleveland was having. Like, you'd think you'd link these up. Or I guess they didn't know the Lady of the Lake was decapitated, because, but huh. cut, cut them up, cut them, cut them up, and, you know. Okay. Anyway, Elliot Ness was called in by the mayor to clean up crime in the city, and he, short, he came shortly after his success of fighting Al Capone. He was especially known for flushing out corruption and snuffing out gambling dens and upholding prohibition laws. He quickly sniffed out and extinguished corruption in the, the Cleveland Police Department and made the police department presence known and on the streets with marked police cars. He also had hands in new police academy training, and the public was in favor of him at this point. So this was a guy that had a huge hand in fight, finding and like putting an end to Al Capone this guy in was Chicago. Tough, this guy was tough on crime. He, yes, he, he was tough on crime. And so they brought him in. They did. Brought Cleveland him brought him in. Okay, call him well, the he Ghostbusters. Was, he was like brought in as like, it wasn't like chief, but he was like, head of safety which pretty much meant he was like kind of in charge of the police and like the fire department okay 
But yeah, he was a pretty big deal in Cleveland. Yeah, at sounds the time. like it. So then on January 26th of 1936, a woman heard dogs howling and went outside to investigate. She found two half bushel baskets with fresh meat wrapped in newspapers inside the baskets outside of the Hart Manufacturing Building. She contacted a nearby butcher, believing that someone possibly left them after purchasing the meat at the butcher. And the butcher was suspicious and asked the woman to lead him to the meat so he could identify it. And she kind of described it that it might be pork. It was not pork? It was not pork. They went out to where the baskets were, and the discovery, the butcher identified that it was definitely probably human meat. They contacted the police, and it was determined that the meat was the lower torso of a woman, two thighs, a right arm, and a hand neatly wrapped in newspaper. This becomes to be a theme. So this newspaper was from August, the past August, and like the day right before. So it's like weird that, like this was in January. So it was like months ago and then the day before of newspapers. Yeah, so this guy's got, got a lot newspapers of newspapers on back. Sitting around. Yeah. And huh. these were then covered in burlap. Another bundle was found nearby from November 19th from the previous year. It conveyed a two piece set of white underwear with a tag from the William Danchy's poultry store. Police had found almost half of a woman in the baskets at this time, and they were strewn in these burlap sacks and in a nearby lot. Hmm. So police located the guy with the barking dogs and said that they started causing a ruckus around 2.30. So they were dumped there like that night huh. when the dogs were barking. The coroner pulled prints from the hand that was in the basket, and the woman was ID'd as Florence Polilo, and she was also known as Flo, and she was victim number three. Okay. She was a waitress and barmaid who was also a sex worker living in the Roaring Third. As a sex worker and a woman who had a string of abusive relationships, the police figured immediately that this was what caused her death. Her ex-husband said that Flo's drinking problem was eventually what put an end to their marriage after six years, and she was described as a fine woman and even gave one of her few possessions a doll collection to her landlord's daughters. After about two weeks... On February 7th, there was a call to an abandoned home a few blocks from where Florence was found near that manufacturing building. Here they found her upper torso, missing an arm, head, and legs. Charcoal, hay, and chicken feathers were piled around the remains. Coroner Pierce determined that she had died from decapitation as they had now found her upper torso. However, the killer waited until rigor mortis set in to dis, like, articulate the body, which was kind of strange. Yeah. And there was cinder and coal rubbed on her skin, and she was missing her reproductive organs and appendix. And they couldn't tell if this was something that, like, had been done previously, like, while she was still alive, like, as an actual surgical procedure, or, like, yeah. he took them later. Um, All the cuts were very clean and precise, and she died two to four days before the body was found. And a second, or de- second coroner described the cuts as violent, and that the limbs were wrenched out from their sockets. The, they went to that poultry store owner because they found that like weird bundle of underwear with this label yeah. in the baskets. So they went to the poultry store owner and he did not recognize Florence. So they were still back at dead ends. So on Friday, June 5th of 1936, two preteens were skipping out of school to go fishing and were hanging out by the East 55th Street Bridge in Cleveland where they found a pair of brown pants rolled up under a willow tree. They poked the pants with their fishing rods and a head rolled out. The boys ran home, and their parents were at work, so they had to wait until one of the boys' moms came home at 5, and then they told her what they had found, and the boys were kind of freaked out, and they couldn't, like, accurately remember where they'd found this head, but eventually they led the police back to this head, and that would be such a terrible thing as a parent to come home, and your kids would be like, I found a head today. Yeah, I don't know, Cleveland was really turning into a bit of a haunted house at this time, you know? And so the police... When they eventually found the head, found also a blood-soaked polo-labeled Park Royale 
broadcloth. There was another striped shirt with a Desmond's label, a belt, a man's handkerchief, boxer shorts, and all this were just like soaked in blood. They found Oxford shoes with socks stuffed neatly inside. Um, And then they took the head to the corner and the man was about 25 to 40 years old and was killed within 48 hours of the head being found. There were multiple cuts under the chin indicating hesitation, they thought, before like removing the head. The coroner then made a plaster of the head to reference like after the burial. About 2,000 people came through the morgue in 24 hours to try to ID the head, but no one had an ID. So like people in Cleveland were like, wow, we got a lot of decapitations. And then they started like opening up the morgue to like have people come see if they identified any of these people. Cause they like, they identified a few of them, but like this guy, they had no clue who he was. And so people would just come and like look at it. Cause they were like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, like in my brain for the past like 15 minutes, you've just kind of like emptied out with like, a big burlap sack of just like random, like dismembered body parts. That's pretty been, much like, what was flying happening. Flying all yeah. over the place, you know? People were very intrigued. So, the next day, a crew of crane operators found a headless corpse between two sets of railroad tracks near where the head was found, which was not found during the initial search the day before, despite being dumped in the bushes um, that were right in front of the Nickel Plate Railroad Police Building. The coroner printed the body and noted that there were slight amounts of food and alcohol in the body, and he also waited kind of like until June 8th to do the autopsy, which this, it was like a couple days later. And so there was kind of, like, weird, like, decay kind of going on. So they, like, weren't super sure when he could have died. Okay. However, the body had six tattoos, including a comic called Jigs, a heart, an anchor, two flags, Cupid, and the name of Helen and Paul above a dove. They displayed this plaster head cast that they had made previously, which was called a death mask. And they made, like, a tattoo chart at the Great Lakes Exposition over the summers of 1936 and 1937 where this was seen by over 100,000 people. And there was a big, this was like a, the Great Lakes Festival was a big fair celebrating science and technology in the Great Lakes area. Must not be a thing anymore because didn't see it in Milwaukee. Mm. And, but no leads were found, even though 100,000 people saw this thing. The, ta- this, the tattoos? They made like a plaster cast of his head. Yeah. And they like, they noted, they're like, oh, this guy has tattoos. Like somebody's going to recognize them. Yeah. So they like, drew out and like copied all his tattoos and like where they were yeah and like they made like a tattoo map kind of thing oh okay so they like displayed like what this man looked like and his tattoos and no one recognized oh interesting okay um at this point the investigators were kind of confused because this man was clean shaven fed and well dressed and unlike many of the other like less fortunate victims and people living in the area and this made it easier to deny that this was connected to previous decapitations because the investigators did not, at this point, want to say that they had, like, one killer that was doing this. Yeah. Detective Inspector Charles Neville said that the killer was a maniac with a lust to kill. And they had a theory that this latest victim was found sleeping, so the killer cut his throat, cut his head off, and took his clothes as the maniac's trick. They were really just kind of, like... As the maniac's trick. They called it, yeah, the maniac's trick. I like this. Okay, it kind of like reminds me of that SpongeBob episode. It's the maniac, you know. Wee woo, wee woo. No? Yes, okay. I was thinking, maniac, maniac. Same. Very, yes. Very, very good. Very okay. good as well. Okay. So on July 22nd of 1936, two months after the tattoo man was found, a 17-year-old girl was strolling through the woods when she found a naked, headless man face down in a ravine in the Cleveland suburb of Big Creek. The police arrived two hours after the discovery of the body, and they searched the area and found the head about 10 to 20 feet from the body. It was wrapped in a blood-soaked gray cut-up suit, polo, blue socks, white underwear, brown belt, size 8 Oxfords, and a black hat, which doesn't sound like a very matching nice outfit. 
there was a ton of blood here, even just like seeping into the ground. And this was different from previous bodies because there was like no really blood except like soaked into the clothes. So people think that this like person was dismembered like at the scene. And some people think that he also could have been alive while being dismembered due to like just the amount of blood that was coming like all over the scene. So this location was further out from Kingsbury Run, which was also different from the other murders. And like the head was still removed without fracturing any of the vertebrae, indicating that like it might have been the same person with the same like anatomical knowledge. Mm-hmm. The coroner found the man that the man was about 40, murdered about two months previous by decapitation in the Man was killed a couple days before the tattoo man, but like him was never identified. And this guy was known as victim number four. And some people theorized that like maybe this was where this person was killing all these people, like out in the woods. And this guy, like something happened and he just didn't have time to move them. Okay. Like maybe they stumbled upon his like little spot where he was cutting people up. Huh. But Sergeant Hogan finally admitted at this point that they had, that the killer of these decapitated people could maybe just be one person uh since everything was out like skillfully cut ness did not want the press to know that they had i don't think the term like serial killer was dubbed by this time but like no, I don't think so. this was a serial killer they yeah. just didn't like know it, was it. A maniac yeah yeah, yeah. Was a maniac. he was a maniac yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did not want the press uh, to know that they had one maniac because the republican national convention was in town and they wanted to Keep it under the radar. You know? I mean, it's also it's also like the Great Depression right now. Yeah, I'm just like people have a lot of problems. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and like some like hair raising news article, like you know, I mean, I can't even imagine the hell that that was for like a lot of people. And then, like, you know? I think I kind of like downplayed it when I was writing this because it's kind of unsurprising that like the press was like Cleveland didn't have nowhere really had this many like decapitations and like dismemberments like all at one time yeah and like the press was like hounding the police this whole time they were like calling it they're like we have a murderer like one person and the police were like no we don't think they're connected yeah and they're like what do you mean (laughs) this whole time but so on september 10th of 1936 25 year old jerry harris was lounging by the water in kingsbury run waiting for a freight train to hop on to take to work very 1930s And he noticed a white thing floating in the muddy water of this, like, little pond slash puddle that he was sitting by. And he discovered that it was half of a severed torso. The coroner got the torso, minus the head, arms, and legs. He noted that this man was 25 to 30 years old, also killed by decapitation by two powerful cuts, one to the front and one to the back. And... He was also missing part of his general genitals, like Edward and the man from the bushes. Yep. So not like all the men have like genital mutilation, but the two, like the first two dudes found in this guy have so far. Huh. Um, he was also bisected, cutting through the kidneys and the stomach, which is very messy and sloppy compared to like the past bodies that have been bisected, I guess. And they were kind of thinking that like, was this on purpose? Because... With this guy's, like, anatomical knowledge that he's displayed, he would know not to, like, cut through, apparently, these two organs because they make a huge mess. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, I feel like if you bisect anybody, it's going to make a huge mess no matter what. Right. But, (laughs) yeah. There was no hesitation in any of the cuts, and the killer was confident. The man's heart was also still beating as he was being dismembered, as he was alive when he was being bisected, which occurred before the beheading. And the man had been in the puddle for two days, Firefighters dredged the water and found the lower torso. 
with the upper legs to the knees. They also found the victim's clothing wrapped in newspaper and like shirts having slices in like the neck area. There was a faded green underwear with JW, but no like ID could be made. And they borrowed pumps from the East Ohio Gas Company to dredge again, but they still didn't find the head. Two lower legs, a right thigh, and a gray felt hat with blood and label were found in the in like a dive search. And a blue work shirt was found upstream in the creek, um, like leading to this body of water. So they think like maybe that's where he was like tossed in. The man was also never identified and called victim number seven. This was in the center of Kingsbury Run in a very public area. So yeah, thousands of people came to watch them as they were dredging the lake. And they ended up having to like close the morgue because they were still doing that thing where they had people like come in to try to ID these bodies, which I don't really know why they would do it with this one because they didn't have a head. So I don't know what you would go off of, but they had to close it because like so many people were coming in to try to like see these bodies. And at this point, the press had begun to dub the killer the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run and criticize the police and not linking the murders and doing shoddy police work. The Cleveland editorial offered a $1,000 reward for information on the Mad Butcher, as there had now been six murders in one year. The police uh, then began arresting and detaining anyone that looked like they could carry a dead body or possess a saw. So, so, so just big burly men, yeah, anyone inside? Yeah, it was inside? a bad time to be like a big dude in Kingsbury Run, because they were just like grabbing anybody. Which went poorly with, yes, the strongmen of the community. That was yeah, my next Yeah, it joke. went poorly with the muscular <laughs> of the community, yeah, the, you know. the capable dudes of Kingsbury yeah. Run. They also targeted people who had recently escaped mental institutions. Ness hired 20 people to work on the case full-time, and they rounded up and interviewed about every homeless person that they came across. Interviews totaled about 1,500 people by the end of the case, and men went under- undercover to blend in and even, like, rode the rails. They hunted down suspicious men with names such as Chicken Freak, The Witch Doctor, and The Giant of the Run, with no leads. Detective Peter Murillo went undercover wearing shabby clothing, grew out his beard, and carried a stereotypical, like, stick with a bandana on the end, and, like, hopped the rails and just, like, rode the rails trying to, like... God, this is so grapes of Kind of just, like, waiting for someone to attack him. Yeah. Um, Coroner Pierce put together a group along with a pathologist, county prosecutor, police chief, um, a lieutenant and an inspector, which I guess are just old timey police ranks. Yeah. Um, and Sergeant Hogan to work with officials from local insane asylums and mental health clinics. And this group was dubbed the Torso Clinic by the media and was kind of one of the first examples of modern day profiling. So like these high ups in like the police force, the pathologist, the coroner, and like people from mental health institutions kind of put together a profile. And they said they determined that this was probably one man doing all this, and the Lady of the Lake was not to be included, as this was too early. The killer was psychotic, not insane, and could uphold himself in public. He was large and strong and a resident of Kingsbury Run with a private place to clean the bodies. He was a butcher, a hunter, or a nurse, and detectives were called to investigate doctors with mental instabilities. And Sam Gerber eventually after this took over as a new coroner because elections happened and Pierce got booted, which I didn't know coroners got elected. What? Coroners get elected, I guess. Or maybe they did at this time. Because, like, I guess an election happened and then they, like, a coroner changed over. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like a, is it, yeah, I mean, it's like a government sort yeah, of position. Yeah, it's a government position. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe I, guess, I never really thought about it. Yeah. So this new guy was apparently people, like, there's a lot of things in this case where, like, people saw, like, a little bright spot and then just, like, nothing happened with it. Like, this Nuss guy, people were like, oh, he'll solve it easy peasy. Yeah. Didn't happen. Hmm. And so this Sam Gerba guy had, like, joint law and medicine degrees. 
He did huh. not make a difference at all. So for, this also just sounds like a very easy time to be getting away with murder. Oh, for sure. It's and, like everyone's yeah. living in Hoovervilles. No one is like, n- like n- not even like regular citizens have like, or, or at least for in the case of like a lot of them, not even a lot of regular citizens have like a very predictable like daily path. Oh, you know, they're no. they're they're sleeping in shanties. They're using clothes and garments that may have only belonged to them in the past week. Talked about a newspaper that was eight months old. People are just holding on to newspapers to use it as like bedding and like, you know, yeah, warm, you know, keep yourself warm and all that. It's just like, you know, I mean, I feel like the, you know, a lot of like the things you'd kind of take for granted in terms of like police work, in terms of like understanding people's like schedules and where are they supposed to be at this time of day? What kind of clothes should they be wearing? You know, like just various like circumstantial things that you you know you would just kind of considered pretty old hat for assault you know assault yeah. a lot of crimes is just totally out the window during this time period. That's you like, know? and they were hunting down these people that really they had no like evidence against them, but they just like went to look at them because they were called like the witch doctor. Yeah. Like I don't know that doesn't really happen like now because. People have real names that they can be tracked. I would love to be called the witch doctor. Oh, that would be fantastic. Or like the chicken man, chicken freak. Well, nowadays you have TikTok handles. You're right. They're like, we got to go find fart muncher 1419. Yeah, fart muncher 42. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of wild. I'm trying to decide if, so we're, we're at the, kind of the halfway point. We're at victim number six. At the halfway point? Yes. Now I think maybe this could be like a two-parter. We could like cut it. In half. Okay. And do the next six, like, I don't know, maybe sometime next week. And I'll, like, maybe put it, like, up, like, early in the week or something. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a hard thing to cover all in one swoop because it's pretty... I'm not going to say it's dry because I think it is very interesting that all this is happening. But it's just endless listing of body parts just flying all over cleveland well and you know in between the body parts flying around so just a very interesting picture of what life was was like at the time people were taking the rails you know the the modern infrastructure is declining as people you know like i said a lot of things are just found in you know i mean i've heard the word puddle like three or four times in terms of just big swaths of water. Yeah, I don't know if it's you know. water, if it's pee. Yeah, exactly. You know, people are, you know, the, the way to blend in the public is by literally like dressing as a homeless person. Like, you know, you're not talking about just like putting on street clothes and a hoodie. No, you're like, you like roll around in the dirt. You, right. You have to like stuff newspapers up into your, you know, up into your, up into your coat chest. You know, it's like, it's just such a interesting, um, God, that was such a crazy time, honestly. I, like, it takes, I We took so much for granted right now. Oh, no. It's, yeah. like, even, like, I mean, obvi- like, I guess, like, you could say, like, the recession in, like, 2008 was obviously horrible. And, like, a lot of people lost their jobs. But, like, I don't think this shit wasn't was, like, nearly, it didn't hold yet. A, like, this mass scale. It didn't hold a candle to that. Like, it's, no. it's not like half of America went homeless like they did in the, yeah. in the, in the Great Depression, you know? Or, and, like, what was, um... What was your dad talking about that big bank that just went under because they like Silicon put too much Valley money bank. in like crypto or something? Oh, I was about to say like like, like so, Silicon Valley bank to is totally bank. different. <laughs> Silicon Valley is just like we put too much stock in like nerds yeah. and JPEGs nowadays. Yeah. Like that's totally different and frankly well deserved. You know? Oh yeah. If you lost a lot of money in Silicon Valley bank, I, I'm sorry, but I don't you know. <laughs> Stop buying pictures of monkeys online, you <laughs> fucking idiot. You know? But like, yeah, this was all the banks. And everyone's money. Yeah, yeah. And these people didn't have more money. My question about the, about the Great Depression, it's like, 
it's like in because like when the stock market crashed like in 2008 it's like you know obviously like quote unquote everyone lost a lot of money don't like a lot of people because they like own like bonds and stuff like that don't a lot don't a lot of people get like stupid rich as a result of, depre- of, of like crashes nowadays I don't know. I don't really understand the financial market or the financial ecosystem. I don't really understand how it works. I guess, like, yeah, like, I always, like, have, and this this might just be baldly wrong. I always thought, like, nowadays, when the stock market crashes, it's, like, like the big short. It's, like, for, you know, every 10,000 people who are, like, buying into the market or, like, buying into the banks, there's people who short the banks, you know. So well, someone gets fucking rich. the banks mean? Oh, I have no idea. I was hoping you wouldn't ask, you know. Oh. But, some, but some people get stupid fucking rich. Like, there's yeah. some people who get stupid fucking rich off of... Well, off yeah, of, I mean, after, it's got to go the money, somewhere. Better, the money has to go somewhere. It's going somewhere. And my question was, like, during the Great Depression, like... Where did the money go? Well, I think in this case, like who got who got really rich in the Great Depression? The money wasn't there. Like, the so what does that mean? The reason, from my non-expert, <laughs> like, like did they have trying a- to remember AP U.S. history, was yeah. the Great Depression happened? They just lost all they of it. Invented they had a big credit. fire at Fort Knox. <laughs> they invented credit, and they were like, the banks were like, oh yeah, like we're gonna like loan you whatever X amount of money, and like. They were loaning, so people were putting their money in the banks. Yeah. And this person, Joe Schmo down the street, was like, I want to buy this new car. Yeah. They're like, okay, sure, we'll loan it to you. Yeah. And they were just throwing out loans like crazy. And I don't yeah. think they like understood how credit needed to work. And so these people weren't paying back their loans. And then I don't remember what the like trigger was. Oh, that actually makes that, like, okay. That actually people makes started sense. coming into the banks. Were like, "Hey, I want to withdraw all my money," and they're like, "We don't have any money here." Well, which would you just describe there though? Yeah, it was like a an actual deficit in the economy like in terms of the fact that like they don't know what they're doing with credit like they haven't even established like payback so it's like yeah people are putting their money in the banks people are borrowing from the banks they're using that to buy to you know buy something buy inventory so like the money is being like you know you know used in one direction yeah the money is being spent but but because they don't understand like the actual like you know credit pullback you know you know the actual like credit payback process is no enforcing it yeah, okay, that actually makes sense where the money was literally gone. Yeah, no, there was there was no money. So and like, like I think I don't see this is this is really us just spitballing here at ten thirty on a Thursday yeah. night that like could would was this did this happen because like everything was like hard like hard copy money? Like would this not happen now? Because money pretty much at this point's all fake. Like it's yeah. all like numbers numbers on a screen. Yeah. Could they just like diddle a few numbers and then money's back, everything's fine? Uh I mean yeah, that makes it different, you know. I don't have any knowledge of history and or finance and or money, but that's what I understand. Yeah, well, and, and, and yeah, and just back in the day, like, you know, there, like, weren't as many, like, government, like, safeguards, you know, there wasn't, you know, such an established, like, welfare program, and it's like, you know, I don't know, like, like people talk about times being tough now, and, like, they, like, I don't know, I mean, like... <laughs> Look at the Great Depression. I, I mean, really, it's like, you know, like, half yeah, the country went homeless and we're immediately just, like, literally, like eating on the street which is like you know i feel like you know nowadays you know obviously things are i mean obviously it can't happen but i I feel like the margin of error was just much different yeah yeah so i don't know i don't know times are better nowadays than people think i don't know i don't know and you know we have the internet we we do yeah we do have have porn you know if if, if nothing else in this world we have pornography yes yes exactly just just no kids keep the kids out of it keep the kids out of it kids out of it far away from it keep those kids on zach and cody i think we (laughs) talked about that in the last episode too we talked about that i was gonna watch the cole sprouse it's cole right i don't know which one's which well, yeah. yeah, well, we just listened to Cole's, his Caller yeah. Daddy interview. And, you it know, great. it was, 
most tough to listen to. He had some interesting takes. Interesting oh, yeah. in a good way. Yeah, no. But also just horrible to listen to. Very, very self-indulgent guy. But actually, like, but like... He did ask to clearly, smoke that cigarette and Alex said yes. That, like, okay, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna take umbrage <laughs> on that. She actually, like, like, you know... She encouraged it. No, she, like, did him dirty. Like, that's, like, kind of a tool move to, like... Be like, Chris, like, oh, please smoke, you know, yeah, like, 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 do it, and then immediately, as soon as the interviews are like, what a chode, you know, he smoked well, she, in my I office. Don't think she said anything. Oh, she did. No, it was okay. just everyone else was like, who is this? And I think part of it was the, the like, she posted a clip of them talking. Yeah. And like once, I and think he it was, was like smoking. him talking about his girlfriend or his ex girlfriend, yeah. and he was smoking in yeah. it, and like in the clip, it was because he started, he was smoking like. From the beginning of that interview. Like, yeah. it happened the whole time. And that, like, you just have to watch the actual whole interview to, like, see where he asked her permission to smoke. And she says, yes, please go ahead. We'll just open a door. Yeah. And it was fine. But yeah. I think, like, she put a clip out and it was just him smoking. People were like, what the fuck is going on? You know, that's a, that, that's another thing I'll say for a different day. Like, the world's gotten <laughs> very harsh on, on on smokers, you know? Like, it has, just it's, the, it's a bad the court of the, pub, the, the court of the public opinion has really gone against a smoker. Okay, frankly, honestly, it's coming back things. to bite him in the butt for them getting stupid smoke breaks. Actually, smoke breaks. Do you look at those? Yes. Mm. Well, I mean... I think Not in really. some some areas they do. People, I mean, at the office, people are always out in the parking lot smoking, you know. See, I guess I think it's Being less thing sucks. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I worked like it, as like a bartender, people would just like yeah. be like, I got to go smoke. And I'm like. Oh, yeah. And I'd sit there and be like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I want to go start smoking. Yeah. You know, so I just go hang breaks. out outside with them. Yeah. Yeah. Then I just know. sit here and talk to these drunk assholes. Yeah. By myself. Mm. No cigarette. Mm. But yeah. Well, we're, let's do that because I'm kind of tired of talking about people's getting disarticulated and then we can pick up and I'm looking do it again. I'm looking forward to it. It seems I like we've kind of we've kind of set the scene here. We're setting the scene. Things the, are the next tough one's more in Cleveland. interesting. Things are bad. In if we Cleveland. learned anything from this, Cleveland had the Terminal Tower is still standing. Do you want to see it? It's a big tower. It's a big tower. Hmm. But yeah, Terminal Tower is still standing. Cleveland was a tough place. Lots of bodies dropping. Next week, we'll talk the next six and some suspects. Some suspects. Excellent. Wow. Well. I'm interested to see how this closes up. Thanks for bearing with us if you watched this whole thing. AJ, I'm talking to you. We'll see you for part two. We'll see you for part two next week. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.